0: Welcome to First 100K, the show where I interview successful entrepreneurs about how they made their first $100,000, digging deep to find the tools, tactics, and superpowers that you can use to go from A to 100K. I'm your host, your coach, your friend, Joseph Warren. I'm also the owner of two co working spaces in Tampa, Florida, where I have the privilege of helping hundreds of entrepreneurs to start, launch, and grow successful businesses. Today, our featured guest is Wade Swickle Swikel, Swickle. Swickle Bam! It. <laughs> I love when I nail it the first time and uh you know he's a fearless entrepreneur Wade welcome to the show are you ready to uh really serve up some value to our amazing listeners here
1: Oh yeah, I was born ready.
0: Born ready, love it, brother. That's an entrepreneur. They're born entrepreneur. <laughs> awesome. So Wade, um, our audience always loves context, right? So just take a minute um, and tell us what is the industry you work in, your company, and your title there.
1: Sure. Uh, so the industry is is I like to say logistics if I'm just talking to a stranger, but so you um, move
0: pieces around from point a to point z
1: exactly got we're it. we're a moving in storage company uh we've got locations in both gainesville and tampa florida um our company's called uh two college brothers moving um got two it. college brothers moving of tampa and two college brothers moving in storage in gainesville where we actually have storage um yeah <laughs> uh, originally the company was called smarter moving solutions which is still the name of the llc that encompasses both of the two locations that got we it have. so it's
0: like the the parent brand exactly got it
1: And uh, I
0: consider myself the president
1: because I feel CEO is a little cocky and uh, owner is a little too
0: humble. i got to
1: fire myself now? No, you're good. CEO is fine. (laughs) My business card says president.
0: (laughs) Gotcha. All right, cool. So I'm I'm excited to deep dive into some of what you just shared right there, but I'm going to use my own discipline here and not go there yet. So first, uh, I start every episode this way, Wade. Take a minute and share with us something personal about you that very few people in your business life know about you. Um, I'm probably more sensitive than I'd lead on. Um, I
1: can only think of one time I've ever actually lost my cool in Mm. the business, but it, it, Things do bother me from time to time, especially like if we get um, some kind of negative feedback um, from a service that we provided. um, It'll just eat me for 24 hours. So from the
0: inside out, but you you don't show it.
1: I try not to. Yeah.
0: Got (laughs) it. Except for that one experience. Right, <laughs> I can imagine that was like a ticking time bomb.
1: It was. It was a rough day. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so Having have a rough day, then. not just for you, I'm guessing, for like everyone around you. Did yeah. you like explode on people? Like that's it, I've had enough.
1: Yeah, pretty much. There was just a, a big breakdown in communication that that caused a lot of issues that day, and it had kind of been building up, and then I basically just you know, yelled some choice words and walked off into the woods for, for about thirty minutes. <laughs> I,
0: love that. I yelled some choice words and walked off into the woods. <laughs> That's classic. I won't even ask the location or anything. Yeah, but.
1: but other than that, you know, I always try to maintain my cool. Um, yeah. I you know I, I probably bottle things up a little bit too much for mm. the stresses of being an entrepreneur, being in business. Uh um, yeah. you know, we we maintain solid ratings on, you know, the review sites, but every now and then if we do have an unsatisfied customer just it bugs the crap out of me i mean it just eats me for you know 24 hours like i said and listen
0: let's go there for a second right because that's really important and first off welcome to the entrepreneur race it's just like (laughs) this is like if entrepreneurs were a species like the human race or whatever right you know like welcome it's like we all struggle with that and it sounds like yours is big right you really like explode on the inside so like there's this volcanic like, going on this within you of, like, it's lifting, it's building, it's building, like, and it, it ticks you off. It's a good thing that's provoking it, though. It's customer service. Mm-hmm. You want to do well for people because, I'm guessing, you genuinely care about people. Sure. Is that where that's coming from? Yeah? yeah
1: absolutely. Yeah. And and in my industry, we're going into people's homes. We're handling their their valuables, their prized possessions, stuff they've accumulated, stuff that has memories attached to it. So they're putting
0: their trust in you.
1: Exactly. And and if we have somebody on our team or for whatever reason, there's some kind of a breakdown in that communication uh, along the way you know, it just, it just hurts because Mm. it's like these people, you know, a lot of them we have, we establish relationships with, Mm. and we want to establish relationships with them. And, um, if things don't go as according to plan, then it, it, it's almost, I I take it personally sometimes Mm. and, you know, trying to overcome that. I I don't think a lot of people maybe know that because, um, you know, I, I don't necessarily show that all the Mm. time that it really bothers me, but, um, we try, that's why we try and, uh, do everything we can to satisfy our customers, because it stems from, you know, personal. Conscious yeah, thing.
0: I love that. And if I can ask you just a personal question, right, because we could learn so much about a person. Uh, how do you think you occur to your staff and your team?
1: Probably, probably a little too easygoing, a little too nice. Um, I've, I've been told, that a lot of times I've had general managers who have been kind of like bad cop and that I'm good cop. Mm. Um, I I think that that's maybe a little too lenient on certain things. Um, You know, managing people and stuff like that. I let too many things slide. I think that Mm. would be what they would say.
0: You know, and that's really interesting because you just shared with us on the inside, you're kind of like ticked off, (laughs) right? Like you care that much and yet you're not showing it even to the point where you occur as the good cop rather than, like, right in the middle. It's like, oh, you know, maybe your staff would be like, you know, Wade is, like, really nice guy and everything like that. But, man, when it comes down to, like, get it right and do things with excellence, man, he's like, boom, this other side comes out of him. So that's really interesting that you don't show that even though, like, it almost seems like you want to. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, is that is that accurate, or am I off? On
1: no, it? I think that is totally accurate, and uh, you know, I, I probably have. I, I don't know I, I think it's just i don't necessarily know how to show that mm. without losing the respect of the people around me yeah. so like i tried i don't know it's it's i get a,
0: that right because I, I occur the same way to my team that's why i'm curious on this yeah. and, and it's a tough line to walk it's like how do i show a little where i don't show it all and explode mm. like <laughs> right i don't want all of this to come out right on, on people because many people can't handle it right right they're fragile they're like pieces of glass like sometimes your team occurs that way at least mine does uh, and uh, you know I don't want to like rock the boat mm-hmm. so how do I say what I need to say sometimes without ah, hurting them getting them demotivated etc. Right.
1: and, and I, I go back to the book how to win friends and influence people a lot uh, because I, I try and take an approach to where I can get my point across trying to explain why we have this point and this objective and, and what it's doing, you know, another book, the one minute manager, you know, same type of a thing you want to, you want to make sure that, that you're clear on what needs to be done. And if somebody does well, that you praise them. If they don't do well, that you criticize them. But at the same time, you want them to leave feeling good and Mm -hmm. feeling like it was a constructive criticism. Um, and I, it's just such a fine line. Like you said, of trying to you know change somebody's behavior if it's if it's the wrong behavior or reinforce it if it's the good behavior without uh, insulting them yeah y- because a lot of times you you approach somebody and say hey you did that poorly mm. they just get upset right off the bat
0: you know it's interesting because uh, we live in a society right now where what I do is my identity mm-hmm. and it's like if you come to me and say you did poorly what I hear you say is you're wrong you you are right me and my very being is wrong or i'm a mistake or i'm a loser or you know i'll never amount to anything and like all this childhood crap comes up right for people and it's just like that makes it really tough as a leader of a business of a startup of a company so let's get right into it and and thank you for going there normally i don't go there in the beginning but i saw something there And I really connected with it. And I think our listeners right now who are running companies and have teams, they can connect with that too and go, man, leading other people can be really difficult. Like it's one thing to figure out who's your market, what's the product that's going to take away the pain point, how much to price it at, how to market it and get it out there, how to close the sale. And then like, if that wasn't enough as an entrepreneur, then you got like a team like of other human beings with their own needs, right? That you got to create solutions for their pain problems, et cetera, et cetera. And it's like, all of a sudden you have like all these different types of customers, Mm -hmm. including your team, right?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, just going off that, I think that marketing towards your your customers is just one half of that. You want to market towards your team and you want to recruit an awesome team and you want to maintain an awesome team and keep them around. um, So you want to, you know, constantly be trying to please both sides of the coin. One of our core values is people focused. And that that's both our clients, we want to focus on, on our clients as people, but that's just half the coin, we want to focus on mm-hmm. our team as people just as much. And if they're willing to bend over backwards for our clients, then we want to bend over backwards for them.
0: Let me ask you a question on that. Being with totally off script here, this is awesome. Uh, <laughs> so uh, on that, um, when you hire someone, say their, their heart is in it, they believe in your vision, the brand, um, and they really just show up with that positive attitude, yet the skill set's not there. How long are you patient with them before you're like, you know what, this isn't a fit? Or do you just say, we're going to, whatever length it takes, we're going to invest in this person and, and build that relationship with them?
1: Well, I, I think I've historically given people the benefit of the doubt for way too long. Um, I've Got kept I've kept team members on that I liked as people that you know really wanted to do a good job, that just weren't a good fit for the, the role. Whether it was something directly with customer service and our, our call center, or whether it was somebody that was you know out on the trucks, you know mm-hmm. doing doing moves or um, or manager, you know. So their
0: had, strengths didn't match with the task that you need them to do.
1: Right, right. and I, I think that you know most people. Join our company. They get behind the vision. They believe in the vision, but but you have to still have a certain skill set, and it depends what position in the company, how teachable a lot of that is. Um, I, I we had one person that was in a, a purely customer service role that I tried so hard to to get to come around, and he just kept making the same mistakes over mm-hmm. and over, and um, it got to the point where you know we just we had to remove him from that position because it was starting to negatively impact the company and the perception of the company because it was you know the first perception people had when they called in and it was just it was tough it was one of the hardest things i mean i hate letting good people go or having to reassign you know good Mm -hmm. people because oftentimes they leave if you know they get reassigned mm-hmm. and um you know that's that's one of the hardest things if if their hearts in the right place. Yeah. Uh, now if they do something to disrespect me or the company right. then it's a lot easier to let yeah. you go. But, <laughs> but if, it's
0: like listen, if you're an a-hole, right. uh, it's easy for me to let you go. Right. But yeah. if
1: but if they're a good person and you know I get along with them outside of the company and they they really do want to be involved and have a passion yeah, yeah. That, that's that's a tough thing to do and it's something that gotten better at but i think there's still a lot of room to improve on, on got
0: whatever. it so we're literally uh you know jumping into like how to lead and, <laughs> and run a team and everything like that and, and kind of like uh grow your empire mm-hmm. and and that's just because i think that's where we're both at but um you know today if you're listening we're speaking with wade swichel uh who is the president of two college brothers moving in storage and uh we're talking about how he Struggled, really, to make his first $100,000 with this business. So, Wade, let's get down to business, okay? Our audience always loves context. How much revenue did your business bring in last year, approximately?
1: About $829,000.
0: Awesome. And what are you on track to do this over the next 12 months? Uh,
1: about $1.2 to $1.3 Hey,
0: congratulations. Thank you. That's a nice growth there. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay. So, uh, how many years ago, just for more context, did you... Um, uh, how let me say it this way How long did it take you specifically to hit your from zero revenue to a hundred thousand in gross revenue? I would
1: say it probably took about two years. We, the, our first year, I started about halfway through the year, uh, we did about twenty seven thousand dollars in six months. Second year. Uh, through the course of the whole year, we did close to $60,000. And then the third year was kind of our breakthrough year where we hit $237,000. So that's a
0: big jump in growth right there. Exactly. Got it. So it sounds like uh, a lot of what you did in first year, year one, got you to year two, right? Because as we know, it's survival mode, really. Mm -hmm. And then a lot of what you learned from year one, you applied in year two, and it made all the difference. And then you have this huge growth spike mm-hmm. into year three. Is right. that about correct? Yeah. Awesome. All right, cool. So, you know, Wade, we'd love to hear the wisdom of millionaires and billionaires and all that, right? You and I were talking before the show here. and But we struggle to relate with them because 90% of us entrepreneurs are literally struggling to make our first $100,000. So that's really the focus of this show. And let's focus on the first two years um, sure. in your, your life uh, sorry, not in your life. Yeah. When you were a little boy, let's talk about that. So take us, take us back to when you were struggling in year one and two of this business, Mm -hmm. uh, to make your first hundred K paint us a vivid picture and kind of tell us that story.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I had just graduated from my undergrad, um, at the university of Florida, um, studied telecommunications, didn't want to do anything with that degree. So I did the next logical thing and applied for grad school. Um, and uh, UF had a uh, master's degree in entrepreneurship program. Yes. Uh, I thought that was awesome uh, because I'd always wanted to own a business um, before, you know, since high school probably. Mm. And, uh, you know, I always had little businesses, you know, not, not necessarily real businesses, but selling candy at lunch and stuff like sure. that. Um, and so I was like, you know, I had tried to make the moving thing work, um, in a, a few years prior, while I was still a student, I had uh, basically not been able to find a summer job, and I was back home in the Sarasota area, and nowhere was hiring. It was the middle of the recession. It was the summertime, and that is a tourist-based industry, so the summertime's slow already, and I couldn't find anything, so I just started posting ads on Craigslist saying, you know, young college student l- – looking for general labor, um, started doing a lot of, um, getting a lot of calls to help people load and unload, uh, U-Haul trucks. Mm. Um, and I kind of got the wheels turning, like people like the idea of not hiring a sketchy person off Craigslist and hiring a a college student off Craigslist and uh, tried to kind of get that going in college. And it just kind of never went anywhere. Um, and then when I graduated and I started that entrepreneurship program, part of that program was to start a business. Mm-hmm. It was almost like the thesis behind that program.
0: So they gave you a project.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And that's when I was like, okay, well, let's let's revisit this whole college student moving thing and let's see what it takes to actually make a business. You know? So that's really
0: interesting because you leveraged the structure that they were going to give you and said, okay, what if I put the structure on that thing that I have tried already but didn't work before? What would it look like with structure in it? Exactly. Yeah, I get that.
1: And uh, fortunately, there was some really good mentors and professors that that program w- allowed me to have access to. That that. Taught me a lot about the nuts and bolts of business. I'd never taken an accounting class or a finance class or a sales class or anything like that. And that was all offered in this program. So uh, it it gave me a good, solid foundation to the entrepreneurial world and uh, kind of floated the business off of the student loans that I had out at the time. Um,
0: Didn't have a moving truck. uh, So so just to clarify, you let the school fund your business, really. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess you could say that. <laughs> yeah. So the, the school, that's hilarious, right? Uh, so the school funded your business and also taught you how to run your business.
1: Yeah. I guess you could say that. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. really
0: smart leveraging.
1: Yeah. 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 Please continue. Um, and it was funny because all the other all my other classmates were trying to start apps and they were trying to start you know these tech based businesses and they wanted to do these you know these sexy startup type things. And I had a pickup truck and was trying to help people move boxes. You're like,
0: <laughs> this is about as unsexy as it gets. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, I get
1: that. I mean, but that was kind of the, also at the same time, kind of the brand that we were trying to play was, you know, the, the strapping college student moving, you know, the sorority girls would fawn over us, you know, type of a thing. Um, and for a while we, we only did focus on moving college students. And that was, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to be, you know, in the in the moving business. I wanted to be in the helping college students and, you know, providing this Mm. cool brand business. Um, But it kind of evolved into, you know, an overall moving business when we figured out who our ideal clients were and they weren't college students. Yeah.
0: You know, this is such a a major lesson that for entrepreneurs that you're touching on right now, in my opinion, is sometimes we go in with this idealistic vision of, man, I want to go help these people over here, these broke college students, that's why I want to help them, because they're broke. Mm. And and then what we find is, you can't really build a business around broke, No. right? So you have to look and explore, or sometimes it comes and finds you, which it sounds like it did for you, it did for us as well. Um, we wanted to help broke entrepreneurs, right? They're working out of coffee shops and everything like that. And we're like, hey, let's, you know, offer space for these broke entrepreneurs because they need the help. Sure, they'll spend like, you know, 30 or $50 a month for office space or a co-working space. No, they won't. No, they won't. They were like, I want it for free. Why would I pay it? Starbucks is free. I could go to Starbucks. And we're like, but we want to help you. Don't you want to help us, right? We have to pay the bills. And they're like, no. They just wanted to help. Right. So the lesson here is we had to look at where's a proven industry already that's making money that connects closely or similarly with what we're looking to do. And it sounds like that's what occurred for you. Right. It's like, okay, money is in moving, uh, you know, other types of clients. You know, residential clients, etc., uh, homeowners, and it found you. And even though you were like, I want to help the broke college students, there was no business there for the most part. No. Speak on that.
1: Yeah, uh, absolutely. So when I first started the business, I wanted to be the lowest cost moving company for college students. But I also wanted to pay our movers the highest wages because <laughs> since we were hiring college students.
0: <laughs> Something doesn't line up there. It I'm just didn't guessing. line
1: up. No, <laughs> it didn't work. We were paying like fifteen dollars an hour to people charging like sixty dollars an hour for two movers with a truck, and um, you know the industry average is like was like ten or eleven dollars to pay movers mm-hmm. and to charge like a hundred and. 20 dollars an hour for two movers with a truck so and you're so, coming
0: in at half the cost and twice the expense <laughs> yeah. wow yeah that math doesn't add it, up it didn't add up no <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: and then we started to realize you know we wanted to move these college kids because that's at the time all i knew how to move they had generally pretty cheap light furniture and the moves would take two or three hours and um a lot of times it was like ikea or something easy um but the thing is like we started to figure out that it took like seven or eight of those little college student moves to equal like one three bedroom, 3000 square foot family house move. And there were just so many moving parts to just to do that mm-hmm. versus just one crew, one truck, one day yeah. to equal the same amount of revenue.
0: Yeah. And that's something we have to look at, right. As entrepreneurs is, can I do a, a, uh work for this different um customer base or market right um and it takes me less time uh, less energy less expense and i make more money yes and there's less stress yes (laughs) right that's key right so same thing here right because we were like focused on the co-working space right so at a hundred dollars a month hundred dollar you know we had to get all these different people and sign them up market to them sign them up sell them all this stuff and then we close one office at like fifteen hundred dollars a month Mm -hmm. which was less work took us like a day right they're moved in they're good to go and it's 1500 in recurring revenue as opposed to going and making 15 sales at a hundred dollars a month yep so you get that exactly yeah yeah
1: and then so we over over time had to figure that out and uh, we did a lot of stuff that you know, we do, we do like single item deliveries and, you know, same type of thing. You know, we thought we had this big deal with a furniture, um, um, sales business, retail sales. And, uh, we would, you know, they would, they would basically call us at seven o'clock at night, say, Hey man, I need you to do a favor and deliver these four orders that we told the customers they'd be there by four o'clock. It'll be $75 per order. And we're just like, Okay, <laughs> and so we're driving around through the ghetto at midnight with a bunch of cash, like that's a good idea. Try to deliver this furniture and hardly making any money on it, like it just didn't didn't add up. So um, it definitely took a little bit. You know, I read a lot of books on on basically basically telling me to you know find my ideal client. You know, find. Um, Control your margins. You know, find the the, the customers that are. Um, I don't know if you've heard of a book called The Pumpkin Plan, but find uh, the seeds that grow the biggest pumpkins because they're going to take just as much work as the seeds that grow the little baby pumpkins that are going to have that. to trim off the branch and that are going to eat away at the big pumpkin. So yeah, definitely a good read if you.
0: Yeah, like I haven't heard of that one, but uh, I get the the metaphor right immediately. It's mm-hmm. like spot on. Cool. So describe the biggest fail other than driving through the ghetto at midnight, um, <laughs> before making your first 100 K in your opinion,
1: biggest fail. Um, I would say hiring my friends. Um, mm. I was,
0: Hey, if you're listening right now, did you hear what Wade just said? <laughs> if you hired your friends and you're like, they're causing you stress cause they're just not getting it done the way you need them to get it done. Listen to this story. Go ahead, Wade.
1: Yeah. It, um, you know, it made sense because those were the people that were in my circle that needed to work, that thought it was cool that I was starting a business. Um, but, you know, I was, I was just coming out of college, my undergrad. I was, you know, still had a lot of ties to the fraternity that I was in. And, and a lot of the guys I was hiring were still in the fraternity and still living that lifestyle. And to get them to show up at 730 in the morning to work an eight-hour day um, didn't always go so well. Um, and it was really hard because I didn't want to be like, the boss, you know, the big mean boss that says, like, why are you late? You know, you're now late. You smell like booze. Like, you know, I didn't want to call them out on that because, you know, later that week I might, you know, be hanging be out, out with them. drinking be out booze tr- with Exactly. Them. <laughs> so, um, you know, that was tough. I was 21, 22 years old, and sure. they were about either the same age or maybe a couple years younger. And it was just really hard to ha- cross that line from boss to friend. Mm. And I lost some friendships over it. Uh, lost a lot of employees over it. Um, I had, you know, one really good friend that stayed with me the whole time that shared that mutual respect that, you know, helped me grow the business to where we were. Um, but, mm. but that's kind of what it came down to is that, that mutual respect. Like I had to be able to communicate what the expectations were right off the bat and they had to be able to uphold that, you know, in, in respect for me. So, and then, you know, if I would yell at somebody, they would think I was disrespecting them and then they'd, you know, be upset with me. So it was, it was tough. It was really tough. And you let a lot, you let way too many things slide, uh, when you hire your friends because you don't want to lose that friendship and it, it over, it affects your business. So Mm. ultimately you got to think about what is the lesser of the evils to lose a business or to lose a friend. I get that tough decision to make.
0: Yeah. So you're listening right now and we just shared that story. If you're in that position right now, cut your losses early right? Because it's, it's not going to get better. Like if your friends are ready working with you, right? And you made that decision and you're already in it. uh, And it, they're just not having that respect as you, as the leader, as the boss, as the owner of the company, taking it to the vision that you've created. And they're just not really showing up the way you want them to show up. They're, they're not showing that respect and that, that care for your customer. Cut your losses now. It only gets worse, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it might be a small problem then, but as you grow, it's gonna grow with your your problems are gonna grow with the company. That
0: exactly. And listen, you don't have to lose the friendship over it, right? But if you stay in that that type of unworkable uh, business relationship, uh, most likely it's gonna end in the loss of your friendship. So might as well preserve the friendship now if you're in that position and just you know, call them into your office one day and be like, Hey, listen, you know, this is where I'm taking the company. I know you have your own dreams and aspirations and everything like that. And it's occurring to me that this just isn't a fit for where you're going in life and where I'm going. Mm -hmm. So I value you as a person. We're awesome friends, I want to preserve the friendship. So in order to do that, I need to separate the business uh, side of this. Yeah, you know, and just pull them into that, that enrollment, right?
1: Yeah. Setting clear expectations and just communicating those expectations, I think helps to solve a lot of those problems. Um, and then, you know, if, if they realize that it's not a good fit for you, um, then it's okay. Like you can maintain that friendship. I mean, one of my closest friends roommates that was pretty much with it for the beginning left our company earlier this year because he wanted to pursue other interests Mm -hmm. and I was okay with it. And we left on great terms. We're still good friends and yeah, Um, You know, it was it was okay because he helped me get to where we're at today, um, and Mm -hmm. then realized that he had other priorities, other other another vision for himself, and I, I was perfectly okay with that. You know, I told him when it's time for you to leave. You can leave. And he did. And that was fine.
0: Gotcha. So. Why don't we treat dating like that? <laughs> right? It's like, you know what? This is no longer a fit. Let's stay friends. I know you got where you're headed, what you want. It doesn't line up with what I want. Right? Why can't we do this mutual breakup? Right? There's just right. this like, and maintain that. I don't know. Anyway, that's a different show, right? right. Uh, maybe I'll start that show. So, uh, Wade, what would you say was the number one fear? uh in your first year of business that was really holding you back from breaking through that first 100k
1: yeah good good question i i would say it was the fear of doing something different because mm, all break my that down for us yeah all my friends at the time were all talking about the jobs that they were gonna get and i didn't want a job i wanted uh you know a, a business and and it was weird. I mean, I knew that people were gonna, you know, say, "Oh, it's just a flash in the pan," or "Oh, you can't run a business." Like, uh, it, it's you know, that's that's not gonna go anywhere. Like, I, I just, I, I guess, I just thought that I was just self conscious about it for some reason. Like, I didn't, I didn't assume it as my identity for the first year because I was almost like kind of doing it under the table, like hiding it from certain people. Like I wasn't fully embracing the fact that even though it was my passion and it was all I could think about, Mm. I didn't want to like, I guess get ridiculed or or criticized Mm. or, uh, have people judge me for, for starting a business at such a young age, because that's just not what most people do. And especially, you know, in the university setting and UF has awesome avenues for entrepreneurs that I wish I had known about, but, I didn't know about it really at the time. I was involved in my fraternity and my social life, and I played club baseball, and and nobody in those organizations were starting businesses. Mm -hmm. So... They were concerned about you know their social lives and getting a good job out of college, and everybody was talking about going and working in New York City at Citibank or going and working for this big consulting firm in Miami or uh, you know whatever. Or if you could land a job with a sports team, you were the ultimate form of cool. But um, you know I I wanted to start a moving company with a pickup truck and six hundred dollars to my name, and, and people didn't really get that, and I was afraid to really embrace that uh, for the first year.
0: And that makes total sense. Right. And anybody in that situation, I think it would occur the same way. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you're listening right now to Wade and it's like, what business are you in right now that you're scared to kind of share with your circle? Because what if it doesn't work out, Mm -hmm. then you're a fraud, right? You, you messed up, you're a failure, you're a loser, right? All these, this self-ridicule that we do in our brain, right? All that noisy chatter. Mm-hmm. So we we stay small. Yeah. We keep it hidden, like Wade said, right? It's private. If it works out and gets big, then I'll like start broadcasting it, ha ha ha, you know? And we'll hold it up and be like, look at me. I did it, yo, right? But <laughs> what if it doesn't? Right. And, and it's that need as human beings, again, to look good or to avoid looking bad. Mm-hmm. That's really what it comes down to. So yeah, welcome to the human race on that, right? <laughs>
1: Yeah, and and you know, once word got out that I was starting this business, it was—I mean, it couldn't be farther from the truth. Everybody wanted to get involved with it, and they wanted to help it. And it, you know, all those friends that I thought or, or people that I, my colleagues that I thought would make fun of me for it, wanted jobs and they wanted to work for it. So um, it was just—it was just funny. It was—it was really a fear of nothing, something that I shouldn't have ever had in the first place.
0: Now that—that that is. I I love what you just said there, right? So, like, if I had asked that question again, hey, what was the number one fear holding you back from being successful with this business? I think you just answered it there. Well, Joseph, it was the fear of nothing, <laughs> right? Because yeah. most fears, let's be honest, most fears are not reality. Mm-hmm. They only exist in our mind, but not in the world. Yep. Right? and And then when we step into them, lean into it and do it anyway, even though it scares us, it turns out it's like reality ends up totally being different like <laughs> you think your friends are going to ridicule you for the business that you're choosing instead they want employment yeah right because yeah. their vision of a 9 to 5 job or whatever was more of a pipe dream and they're like wow what he's doing is real yeah. it's tangible it's in front of me and i can make money that's cool
1: yeah absolutely and i think that you know had i surrounded myself with more entrepreneurial people sooner i think that i would have jump started that you know mm. that emerging into the business
0: so what's the big lesson there for our listeners
1: surround yourself with great people, surround yourself with like minded people, um, because, you know, you are the five people that you hang around with. Um, You know, you're basically, you know, if you hang around with five fat people, you're probably going to be overweight. If you hang around with five broke people, you're probably going to be broke. If you hang around with five entrepreneurs, you're probably going to start a business.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And you know what? When you're down and you're having breakdown, so to speak, right, mentally and emotionally, psychologically, they can be having breakthroughs and really take a stand for you and pull you up. Mm-hmm. right and then vice versa when they are having breakdowns you stand for them hey keep going keep going don't quit don't quit yeah. and to be surrounded by five people like that that's entrepreneurship man that's that's like your mastermind group
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know in entrepreneurship and I, and i think you know people ask me all the time because i've taught entrepreneurship in the colleges and i come in and give lectures and everything and it's like uh you know what's the number one reason why businesses fail they ask me right You know, is it, is it, uh, you know, um, revenue, right? Lack of funding. And I say, no, it's absolutely not. That's just one of the symptoms. They're like, well, then what's, what's the number one reason why businesses fail in the first three to five years? And I said, it's isolation, Hmm. isolation. People try to go it alone, right? Because here's the thing. The second you put yourself in that circle, that tight circle of other people like-minded who are going places. It opens up doors of new possibilities, including funding, Mm -hmm. including X, including Y, whatever it is that you're missing. So isolation is the problem. So if you're trying to do this alone in your own business, get plugged into other people who think like you, who are going places big. They think big, right? Get away from the people who think small. Yeah. Otherwise, you'll stay small, yeah?
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, cool value, man. Uh, What's the biggest aha moment that you had year one and two?
1: I think it was just realizing that I gotta, I gotta jump into this full on, you know, mm. f- head on, embrace it all over social media. I have to uh, essentially assume it as part of my identity. Uh, get past that fear of people already killing me because that's, that's dumb.
0: Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's dumb. Um, stop being dumb. Yeah. Now, wh- how committed were you in it at that time? Like on a scale of, uh, you know, percentages were you 50% in and now you're going a hundred percent, like where were you at?
1: Yeah, I think so. Uh, I was still in that master's program in entrepreneurship. Um, that was about a year long program. And so I was doing the business and that was my passion. That was my priority. Um, but I was still in school. So I was still studying and I was still going to classes and I was still doing a lot of like the social stuff that you do when you're a student. Sure. So you had um, a lot of distractions. Outside there were a the lot of distractions for the first year. And, you know, once I graduated, it was like, okay, it's time to get serious. And, you know, I was still living in a college town and I was still really young and I still had a lot of connections to the university. So there still were distractions. But once it became my full time occupation and my full-time priority is when it really started to to take off mm-hmm. and uh you know i i was able to focus 100 percent on the business and and from that point forward is is really where things started to click
0: i get that so looking back at your first hundred thousand dollars wade what would you say was the number one thing that literally pushed you over that hurdle
1: i think it i mean again i think it was was really just taking that brand and believing in it and, and just running with it. And, you know, every opportunity that I got to talk about it to people, I st- I think networking was a huge mm. boost to our company. I joined, I don't know if you're familiar with BNI, but I joined- I am. I, We're I, part of it. Oh, are you? Nice. Yeah. I, I joined a BNI chapter. I joined the Gainesville Chamber of Commerce. I joined- um the builders association the realtors association i became a diplomat for the chamber of commerce i joined a country club i started a company softball team so i got which really which involved.
0: of those uh marketing avenues uh really had the biggest impact uh revenue wise for your business
1: i mean i would just consider that all one avenue as far okay. as part of like networking mm-hmm. because a lot of it overlapped a lot of the people um that i met in one of the organizations i I could meet in another organization, which helped me to get introduced to somebody else in that organization. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of carryover.
0: Um, so I th- what I'm hearing is relationships and referrals.
1: Yes. Yeah. Especially yeah. in my business, that that's huge. I mean, you're hiring a moving company. You know, you want somebody you can trust. You want somebody who, who has a good reputation. And it's one of those things, kind of like a mechanic, a lot of times you're just going to ask somebody who they use. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's one on every corner, and they might have a cool-looking website, but I mean, are they going to try and sell you something you don't need? I, I don't know. Ask ask your neighbor who they use if they're happy with them, if they've treated them fairly. I mean, that's, in my business, is, is such a key component. And mm-hmm. honestly, I, we've tried a lot of different marketing. We've done TV, radio, SEO, pay-per-click, mm-hmm. Facebook, social media, networking, and all that. But uh, I think the biggest thing that has been a key to our business is providing an excellent service and and i've always said that's the best marketing strategy so the
0: word of mouth was the biggest yield for you and yes. still is, is yes that correct?
1: yeah and we're actually pulling away from all the traditional forms of advertising because it's expensive mm-hmm. and i don't think it does you know any any there's no there's not nearly the return on investment as just consistently providing good service yeah and you know if if you're consistently doing that it's it ends up saving you a lot of money on the back end because you're not having to spend spend money on fixing things you're not having to reimburse people and you know you can you can focus all that money that you're saving on your TV ads and your radio ads and the pay-per-click, on making sure that you're hiring excellent people, that you're paying them a fair wage, that you're providing them with the best tools and equipment to get the job done, um, and that you have the means to to back up you know, your customer service and of, of the whole organization.
0: Yeah, so if you guys are listening right now, what I'm hearing Wade say, which I think is really powerful, is look at your your existing marketing right now and your budget for that right and if you're like many of us entrepreneurs uh you have it scattered all over the place well i'm gonna try a little of this see if this works see if this works see if this works pay-per-click right uh seo um let me try a banner let me try a billboard let me try whatever facebook ads is is the new trendy thing right now and what i'm hearing wade say is hey, find the thing that's working the most right now, mm-hmm. currently, that's bringing in the most revenue. What's that marketing avenue? For Wade, it is uh, networking, which created the relationships and referrals because word of mouth is key to his industry. Uh, for us in co-working space and office space executive suites, uh, we found that it was uh, Google... Uh, online Google search and maps, Google Maps. Mm. Uh, literally 90% of our leads come from people searching in Office Space Tampa, virtual office Tampa, oh, wow. etc. So I'm trying all these other things, these traditional market print, uh, we're sending out postcards in the mail and everything. And we're just spending thousands of dollars going out and it's yielding ridiculously low. And we're just like, why are we spending all this? Why don't I just take all that, that lost uh, revenue expense and just dump more into what's working and bring in 90% of the leads? Because if I could get that to 92%, that's fantastic. I get it to 93%, even better right and we started doing that and it's working tremendously so it sounds like the same for you
1: yeah absolutely i i i really like to try and only do stuff that i can track uh, Mm um because there i'm not saying that like a lot of that traditional marketing doesn't work but does it work as well as the next you know thing or or Whatever. I mean, we. And does it
0: work for your industry and your specific right. business? That's key.
1: And your market. I mean, there's yeah. moving companies out in Austin, Texas that I've spoken to, and they said their first several years in business, uh, you know, seventy-five percent of their business was coming from Yelp, and
0: <laughs> right. And that works in their market. And that place. works in Austin, Texas. Yes. It
1: doesn't really work in Gainesville. I mean, maybe maybe it 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 contributes, and I and I am actually starting to see a little bit of an uptick in like those mm-hmm. Yelp leads, but. But not seventy five percent. I mean, seventy five percent of our business comes probably from word of mouth and referrals. Yeah. Um, and you know, we have big purple and yellow trucks driving around town, which you know helps. But it, it just serves as a reminder of why our purple company.
0: and yellow. That signifies royalty.
1: Exactly. And you know, we like quality. to, like to treat people. Expensive. With yeah. And also in an orange and blue town, purple and yellow stands out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I get that. That's pretty cool, man. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Uh what was the best business advice you received prior to making your first 100,000?
1: Best business advice prior. Hmm. Probably probably to work on the business rather than work
0: in the business. So break that down in like three sentences. To
1: not not be involved as much in the day-to-day operation of the business as you should be involved in the day-to-day growing of the business mm. and, and increasing the visibility and making sure that the systems that you have in the day-to-day are, are fine-tuned and, and running properly.
0: Okay, so Wade, so I'm gonna be the antagonist here in the story, right? So Wade, I, I'm just starting out. I'm wearing all the hats. I, I don't have the budget to hire somebody. So how do I do, how do I work on the business when I have all the day-to-day uh, in the business tasks to get done?
1: Well, I think that's going to be necessary. And even today, I I still wear a lot of hats, but I think it's prioritizing what the revenue producing activities are for you. Uh, I like to make sure that I spend at least half my time doing revenue producing activities. And I, I assign values to a lot of those activities. So like I've, I'll I'll wake up. I'll set a goal for the day. I want to do $10,000 in revenue producing activities today. And I'll I'll treat, you know, I'll go around to apartment complexes with with coupons or flyers and I'll say each apartment complex I go to is worth $300.
0: And you know that cuz you've been able to measure it from the past. Right, because yeah. we
1: we have these coupons that we can track when people are turning them in and sometimes we'll do co-branded coupons with mm-hmm. certain, you know, in apartments so we know exactly where they're coming from, but um I, I I like to think, you know, if I, if I pass out 20 coupons, this apartment complex may never give us business, but this apartment complex may give us business over and over and over Mm -hmm. again. And our average cost per job is around $500. Mm -hmm. So if they give us, you know, one $500 job, then that, that equals about an apartment and (laughs) Mm two-thirds. So I I assign $300 to each apartment complex. You know, we have yard signs. I'll assign $50 per yard sign I put up because I know most of the yard signs are going to get picked up and they're not going to do anything. Um, But one yard sign is going to be sitting in the right place at the right time and somebody's going to call us and and they're going to book that $500 job. So basically, I need to put out um, about 10 yard signs to equal one Mm. job. Uh, So I assign those at a $50 value.
0: Um, So So that's what I'm hearing you say. uh, So great business advice here Guys, you know, from Wade is uh, really figure out what is the uh, the monetary value, uh, the revenue value of each of your marketing, uh, you know, avenues, if you will, right? So if if your yard signs, boom, you know, it equals X. If I go do uh, put out this many, it will yield this much revenue, mm-hmm. and and that's phenomenal because um, it gives you the the confidence, um, which also is going to give you the drive to get off your butt. Mm-hmm. And go and do it because you know it's going to yield X amount of revenue rather than people guessing all the time. Well, I don't know if it's going to do anything and I'm really not in the mood and I don't feel like it and I'm exhausted, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So that's powerful. The second thing um, I'd like to piggyback on uh, that I was able to do in my business um, for working on the business versus working in the business was I, l- I scheduled one day of the week where I don't work in the business. I work on the business. I work from home. Boom. And it was that one day where I could just step out of the business and look at it from an owner perspective. yeah and put things in place. And that was game changer.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that uh, you know revenue tends to solve all problems. So if you can figure out how to um, start producing revenue right off the bat, and in Gainesville, I see this all the time. There's all these startups and they're, they go months, if not years, without producing revenue, well, it's really hard to work on your business if you're not actually producing any revenue. And once you start producing revenue, then you can hire people to do a lot of the day-to-day stuff. I mean, sure, you're still going to have to do it. You know, In the very beginning, you're going to have to do everything. And then once you start producing revenue, then you can hire somebody to help you with whatever is least revenue producing. Or maybe they're better at producing revenue, so you hire them for a sales position or revenue mm-hmm. producing position. Um, but I think that that's, that's the key is first start, like establish a real business, a mm. revenue producing business, because you can't really work on a business until it is producing the revenue because yeah. you're going to be stuck in it. And sometimes and you have to start in it to, to do that and absolutely. make those calls and do that. So, and what
0: I'm hearing you say also is your number one job as the owner of the business is to produce revenue period, period, period.
1: Yes, it is. And, but it's also to, 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 maintain the culture of the business and to maintain the systems of the business. So, I mean, that none of that's possible. We can't have a culture and we can't have, systems and people in roles if we're not producing revenue so yes i I yeah
0: however we're talking about year one year two right right there is no culture right there are no systems there are no processes at that early stage so year one and two is just go produce revenue yeah and focus strictly on the revenue producing task, Mm -hmm. and figure out how much they yield if you do this task today Right. That's what I'm hearing you say. So listen, normally, you know, Wade, we don't go this long with the show. <laughs> However, you're dropping so many wisdom bombs right now. <laughs> Seriously, um, I'm running the show a little extra and I'm totally fine with that. So share with us one daily habit that has helped you um, to get from where you were, zero revenue, to where you are now about to cross the million dollar in revenue mark, a daily habit that you've done.
1: Daily habit, I... Um I think is, early on, (laughs) sounds funny, but it was posting on Craigslist like crazy, like trying to own Craigslist because it was free marketing and it was how I generated business at first.
0: The only expense was your time.
1: Exactly. Um, But I think, you know, moving beyond that, it's been constantly, you know, spending time on personal growth and uh you know every time I'm driving almost every time I'm driving I shouldn't say every time I'm driving but every day I'd listen to audiobooks or podcasts or I read or I do some kind of Mm self-exercise where I'm writing down my goals or my vision or you know just something to benefit myself and my own personal energy like exercise try to eat healthy Mm -hmm. um and you know we all go through phases with that but um but there's always something in, in improving myself. So um, you're putting daily.
0: good in. Yeah. Yeah. yeah on think, a daily basis. Yeah.
1: I think that's probably the the biggest habit. And, you know, I look forward to, you know, the drive into work, listening to an audiobook, whatever I happen mm. to be listening to at that time. Sometimes I'll re-listen to audiobooks over and over again. If I really found a lot of value in it, um, like podcasts, you know, I'm a very audio based learner. Um, yeah. So I get a, a lot of, a lot of that from from listening to things um, i get that yeah so yeah uh, that's
0: pretty cool uh what would you say is your number one favorite uh digital resource or website or app uh right now
1: uh dot com. <laughs> <laughs> no, so how about the non-biased one yeah uh <laughs> one? well i like the drop there that was
0: cool. <laughs> <laughs> name drop
1: uh let's see um hmm you know we don't we don't use a whole lot of that. I mean, we pretty much run our business off Google. To be honest, we have okay. Google. Well, calendars. that would be it. yeah. Google calendars, Google Docs, Google listservs, Google Drive, Google, Maps, Google Drive. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, that's pretty much you know what you know gmail <laughs> mm-hmm. so that helps you
0: win in your business
1: yeah i think i think google is probably our our software of choice at the moment we're, we are looking into crm specific towards mm-hmm. the moving industry but um but yeah google is is pretty much how we've always run the business all i
0: get that and i think it's a great solution for entrepreneurs just getting going because mm-hmm. it's all free yeah. for the most part right? right yeah So that's pretty cool all right awesome so wade we're about to enter the hustle round do it. Okay, so the hustle round is kind of my favorite part of the show. This is where I ask you 12 quick fire questions. You'll have about three seconds to answer each. <laughs> Don't overthink it. Okay. First thing that comes to you, are you ready? I'm ready. Let's go. Cool. What's your favorite sound? Vroom. I love it. What's your least favorite sound? <laughs> Got it. <laughs> Almost sounds like a car, you know, starting and skidding. Uh, when you were a child, what did you want to be when you grew up?
1: Baseball player.
0: What are you most afraid of?
1: Upsetting people. Mm -hmm. Unsatisfied customers.
0: I get that. What did you spend way too much time doing your first year in business? Partying. (laughs) (laughs) What secret fear do you have about people?
1: That they're going to steal from me. Mm -hmm. Or they're going to try and rip me off. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. What do you wish you had learned way sooner in business?
1: That you need to immerse yourself in the brand and the business and make it part of your lifestyle.
0: Got it. So all in. Mm -hmm. What is a new habit you want to form?
1: Organized.
0: What is a bad habit you want to break?
1: Um. Being disorganized.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, fair enough. (laughs) Pick three words to describe who you are now.
1: Uh, Futuristic, ambitious, and friendly.
0: Pick three words to describe who you are your first year in business.
1: Uh, Young, uh, distracted, and still ambitious.
0: Got it. Imagine sometime in the distant future, and there you are standing in front of your tombstone. Read to us what it says on it.
1: He never gave up.
0: Love it. And last question. If you could come back to life after you died and tell your family, friends, and loved ones only one piece of advice, what would you say to them?
1: Pursue your dreams until you have them. Never, just never give up. Just keep keep going. Got it. Set goals. Make make them happen.
0: Relentless. Wade, what's the best way for our listeners to get in touch with you?
1: Uh, they can email me, uh, wade at twocollegebrothers.com. Um, they can email me on my podcast email address, wade at attainanything.com. Um, I'd say that's probably the best way.
0: Cool. Uh, so real quick, do a, a quick uh, 30 second promo for your podcast.
1: Yeah, so Attain Anything is a uh, podcast about uh, goal setting and goal getting where we interview uh, very successful people and and talk a lot about kind of what you've talked about today, um, how they got to where they're at and what advice they have for people trying to get to where they want to go.
0: Very cool. And your website again?
1: Uh, TwoCollegeBrothers.com.
0: And that's the number two?
1: It's the number two, yeah.
0: Awesome. Wade, thanks for joining us today and we wish you peace, love, and superpowers. Head over to first100k.com for even more tools, tactics, and tricks that you could use to go from A to 100K. I'm Joseph Warren, and you were made for greatness. So stop being a wuss and start being a winner. Have a blessed day, and I'll see you on the next show. Cheers.